Well, Christmas is upon us, is it not? Already, correct? I don't know about you guys, but whenever, whenever the Christmas season seems to turn around, it, came, it tends to bring a, a feeling, or I don't know how to describe it, but the Christmas season, you know, once you see the lights coming up, the trees going up, the Christmas music starting to play on the radio, it kind of brings along like a warm and fuzzy. Anybody else get that? Yeah, throughout the Christmas season, yeah, and it just seems as, as soon as it comes on, as soon as Christmas is over, it kind of goes away, and we kind of look forward to that every year. So the Christmas season is no doubt here, and it is upon us, and we, we enjoy the time of Christmas, and when it comes to Christmas, you know, we tend to, we want, we want it white, we want it bright, we want it shiny, we want the lights, we want the tree and the decorations, the eggnog, the presents, we want everyone to be happy, we want to be able to give plenty, we want to be able to get plenty, and we want everything to be filled with peace and joy all around us. That's the Christmas season that we all um, you know, seek to have. But in reality, the Christmas season often turns into a major hassle. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it turns into a major hassle. You rush around, you're pressed for time, you spend money you don't have for people you don't even like. In order for them to accumulate things that they don't even want or even need. And in our struggle to get everything right and in place, we tend to get it dead wrong. And we end up making ourselves and others around us miserable in the process. It's really not what we want Christmas to be. You know, I know that Christmas season and the, and the celebrations, and I, I know that there's, I know the histories, uh, not, not to the T, but I know there's a lot of pagan things that are, that kind of are brought into this time of season. And to be honest with you, I, I don't care about that this morning. Okay, I'm, I'm talking to you as children of God who have set this, side, set this time aside to celebrate the birth of our, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So with that being the context of our message this morning, we'll, we'll continue to move forward in this. And, and in doing so, you know, I don't believe that God is so interested in us, in us having a white Christmas as much as he is interested in, in us as far as getting it right. Because making it about what it should be about. So, the message this morning is entitled, How to Construct a Proper Christmas. How do we get this right? What's going to be, how, do, how can we make this the best possible Christmas it possibly can be? What do we need to understand, and what do we need to change in our lives that will allow Christmas to be a time of blessing and wonder instead of being a time of stress and tension? Now, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 this morning. And within this passage, it's going to reveal some component parts of Christmas that are going to be absolutely essential if we're going to construct a proper Christmas. These verses that we're going to go over, it's going to be like a bag of parts along with the instructions, very similar to the toys that you buy that say in very fine print, some assembly required. And if these parts are not all in the right place, then, the, then the, uh, the toy that we bought will not function properly for the way that it was designed to, to work. And if any of these parts are missing, obviously it will not function the way that it was designed to work. So this passage will point out all the parts that we need in order to construct a proper Christmas. Now, within the text, we'll be, we'll be going through the text um, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. It's pretty much the, the standard Christmas story reading that you do with your, with your family when you gather together and you talk about the Christmas season. 
But we won't read it word for word. We'll, we'll go in and out, and I'll keep you, up, keep, you, keep you on par and on pace as we're going through this. But it's just an amazing text that we, that we read here. And in, in, in the example of the events that are, going, that, are, that are happening here, we have where Caesar, Augustus, he put into place a decree that required that all the, all the world should be taxed to be registered in their own city. And we have the events where, where, um, where Joseph and Mary are, are taken 90 miles away from their home, and they have to go to the home of their ancestors, and they're placed there. And then the angels come, and they speak to the shepherds and deliver them the message, and the, and the shepherds come. And then they, they meet with Jesus, and they start telling everyone about it, and they come back praising and glorifying God. Now, as we just kind of read over that without having an understanding of this, you're like, well, this is kind of a neat a neat um, course of events that actually happened. But I want you to see here, it's not just the course of event that actually happened by chance or by, by coincidence. This is the actual working of the sovereign God accomplishing His plan. A lot of what happened here. Now, God knew the day, the time that Jesus Christ was to come into our world as a baby boy. Je God knew that. And He knew the timing that it was going to happen. And according to the foreknowledge of God, he understood that during that time, an emperor thousands of miles away would put a decree that would, that would put Jesus' earthly parents in Bethlehem at the time that she was to give birth to Jesus. The foreknowledge of God, God is an almighty, all-knowing, powerful God, and it's displayed here. God knew when it was going to happen. He knew it because he revealed the very year that Jesus would come in the book of Daniel. He, he delivered that to us. And also understanding and knowing that during that time where Jesus was going to be coming into our world, he knew that that decree would put, be put out and it would require um, his earthly parents to go to Bethlehem. And so therefore he revealed that to their prophet Micah who gave us the information that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. I want you to understand something, folks. This is the working of a sovereign God to accomplish His eternal plan in the lives of you and me. God is in complete and total control. No matter what we think, no matter what happens to us, we can rest in knowing that our God is in full control of everything. And if we are going to construct a proper Christmas this year, we need to have the proper master. The master is the one that we obey. We do what he says. And we, we have reason to adopt the proper master in the God of the Bible because he is the all-knowing, all-powerful God who can direct our steps to success and to victories that he would have us to do and ultimately glorifying him. So if we're going to have a proper Christmas this year, we need to adopt the proper master. And when you adopt the proper master, Christmas can be a boom or it can be a complete and total bust, but you won't care. Because you know who is in control. If I could illustrate it to you this way. If you don't know him, if you don't have a personal relationship with him through his son Jesus Christ, you can get everything you could possibly want and still be miserable. You can have everything this world has to offer and still not have the peace within that can only come through knowing Jesus Christ. Or, if you do know him, you could get absolutely nothing and have absolutely nothing at all, but you could experience true joy. If we're going to have a proper Christmas, we adopt the proper 
master. And we gain a relationship with that proper master by putting our faith in Jesus Christ and repenting of our sins and trusting him. When you know that he is directing our path, you can rejoice in no matter what the, what the world throws at you. No matter what happens, you can look in the face of, of whatever comes about and you can go through with confidence. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 37 and verse 23. It says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If we are willing to adopt him as our master and to, and to fully take the steps that he has ordered for us in our lives, we can rest in knowing that he has an expected end for us. That he is not just, he's not leading us off a cliff. He's not leading us somewhere that's not going to bring him honor and glory. But if we are following the steps that he has ordered for us and staying in his will, we can rest knowing that he's in complete control and he knows what's going to happen for us. He is, he is driving each and every one of us to an end that he desires that will bring honor and glory to him. And if we're going to have a right Christmas, not only have a right Christmas, but a proper Christian lifestyle, we must adopt the proper master. And all of our worries and all of our fears, they can be completely and totally eliminated if we would just recognize who our creator is and the fact that he has the blueprints for our lives. Fears and worries will go away. But when you have the proper master, you are on the road to having a proper Christmas. The question is, is do you have the proper master? And secondly, in order to construct a proper Christmas, we need to make sure that we are celebrating the proper event. As I am talking to you as children of God, those who have given their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ by repenting of our sins and trusting solely in the work in, of Calvary, when it comes to this time, when it comes to us celebrating the Christmas season, we make, need to make sure that we have it right and that we are celebrating the proper event. So what is that event? In Luke chapter 2, verses 6 and verse 7, and so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. The true essence of Christmas is not about trees, it's not about tinsel, it's not about gifts, and it's not about glitter. It's not even about family and friends. The true essence of Christmas is about the birth of a baby. It's not just any baby. It's the baby who was God in human flesh. Can you wrap your, your mind around that thought? Our God, our creator, who is timeless, spaceless, immaterial, powerful, intelligent, moral, personal, infinite, entered into our world as a baby. And it happened 2,000 years ago. Such an amazing event that is worth celebrating. It's such an amazing event that we can look back to and we can give honor and praise and glory to God. In Isaiah, in chapter 7, and verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which many of you understand and know that means God with us. And further along in the book of Isaiah, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. 
The event that we celebrate that surrounds this Christmas season is the birth of Jesus Christ. It is God in human flesh. God pressed out in human flesh. He came to be one of us. The creator of all things, completely self-sufficient, came to be one of us. And don't misunderstand, whenever Jesus was born, that was not his creation. That baby that was born 2,000 years ago has always and always and forever existed in an eternity past, present, and future. This is God who came to visit us in the form of a man. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. If you could really think about that for a moment. If you were in the presence of Mary and Joseph as this baby was, had just recently been delivered, to be one of the family members who would who'd come and, and was celebrating along with them, to be able to hold that child and be able to see that this is the Son of God, God in the flesh. But it's really hard to talk about the birth of Jesus Christ, really the significance of His birth, without talking about His life and His death and His resurrection. Yet that's the reason why He came. The reason why he came was not to just come into our world to see what it was like to be human, to kind of check things out and to see how we were doing. The reason for which he came was not to be born and just to live, live a life and just to check everything out, but it was to come to die. It was to come to die for our sins according to the Scriptures, to be buried and three days later be raised again according to the Scriptures. Had he not been born, that, the, the death, the burial, and resurrection would have never happened. So this is the reason why we celebrate the event of Jesus coming into our world to become a man for the sake of dying for the sins of the world. It is a reason that we should celebrate. Now, I know there's a lot of fairy tales out there. There's a lot of things that are fun to watch. There's a lot of fantasy things and movies that we watch and we're entertained by those things. Now, but I want you to understand, and those are all really good stories and they're fun to hear, but the greatest story of all is not a fairy tale. It's not fake, it's not made up, it's not a fantasy, but the creator of the entire universe came and entered into our world for the sake of the salvation of our souls. So if we're going to construct a proper Christmas, we must be have an understanding, we need to celebrate the proper event, and that's when Jesus came into our world for the sake of the salvation of our lives. Now, I try to imagine whenever, a lot of times when I'm reading throughout the Word of God, I try to really picture and to imagine myself there. And I really want to kind of see this thing. And, um, and one of those songs that really kind of helps me do that is one of my favorite Christmas songs by Mark Lowry, Mary, Did You Know? Who's familiar? Beautiful song. And he asked a lot of different questions within this, and it's kind of directed towards Mary. And some of them are type, probably rhetorical, but there's no way she could have known or understood everything that was being asked here. We can look back and see that these things were pretty amazing. And the lyrics go like this. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? And as we start to think about this, just think, just picture Mary or you standing there beside the Son of God as a baby. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will save your sons and daughters? That your baby boy has come to make you new. This child that you delivered will soon 
deliver you. Mary, did you know that your boy will give sight to a blind man? That your baby boy will calm the storms with his hand? That your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And this is my favorite line here throughout the whole song. And when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. That your baby is the Lord of all creation, that your baby boy will one day rule the nations, that your baby boy is heaven's perfect land. This sleeping child you are holding is the great I am. The event that he used to bring himself into our world in order that he would save our souls by his death on the cross is the proper event that we celebrate in order to have the proper Christmas. Also, we need the proper motive, the proper passion, the proper motive. When it comes to the Christmas time and the things that we do and the events that we plan, the events that we attend, what is our motive? What is the end game that we're looking for? What is the thing that we are trying to accomplish whenever we gather together, whenever we go through the... Go through the um, uh, the traditions of Christmas, what are, what's our game plan? What are we trying to bring to an end to, to make happen? What I want us to see here is in verse 13. After the angel had delivered the message to uh, the shepherds, he said, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And after the shepherds experienced them, um, after going and finding Jesus, whenever they returned to their, their flock, it says that then, then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for the things that they had seen and heard. Which causes us to really figure out what our motive is. To figure, to figure out, we've really got to ask ourselves a question, what really matters to me the most this Christmas. And if we're going to have the proper motive, our motive is to do exactly what the angels and the shepherds did, and that's to bring God honor and glory. To glorify God for the great things that He has truly done by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to be the sacrificial atonement for our sins. We need to give God glory for those things. So we ask our questions, you know, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Or how can I glorify God in what's happening? What matters to us the most, either bringing glory to God or keeping all of our Christmas traditions? What matters most, finding ourselves before Him in praise and worship or driving ourselves crazy trying to get everything done? What matters most to us this Christmas, rejoicing what He has done for you or complaining about how hard it is this year? What is our motives? What is our passion? Well, if we're going to have a proper Christmas, if we're going to construct that proper Christmas, we need that component of the proper motive whenever we adopt the proper master and we celebrate the proper event. We want to glorify and honor God for the things that he has done for us. And lastly, if we're going to construct a proper Christmas, to construct a proper Christmas, you will need the proper ministry. You'll need the proper ministry. Now, there's two parts to having a proper ministry. 
The first thing that we have to understand is we must have the proper message. We must possess the proper message for the proper ministry. Now, what is that ministry? Well, just this, this, it, what's the, what is that message? The message is the one that the shepherds got. Now, they were afraid whenever the angel came before them. It says, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. And in verse 11, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This is a message, a very powerful message, that the angel said is for all people. It's for all people. Everyone needs to hear this message. It's a personal message in the fact he says, this is for you. A Savior is born unto you. Unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That is the message that we need to bring to the world. That is the proper message in order for us to have a properly instituted ministry. Now, in, in, in today's world, and in, in, in a, a lot of in the, religious, in the religious world, the complete and total gospel is not being presented. So the gospel of Jesus Christ, very plainly put in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3, it says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The death, the burial, and the resurrection is the full, full gospel in its entirety. But I also want you to understand, he says that Christ died for our sins. A lot of times we don't preach the complete gospel because we never address the issue of sin. We never bring it to the forefront when we're talking to someone about the Lord or inviting them to church or trying to get them into a personal relationship with Jesus. We skip over that, and a lot of people do. Because this is probably one of the most difficult things to do, but I want you to understand it's one of the most loving things that you can possibly do. If you tell someone the truth about their sinful condition, that if something doesn't change, they're going to have to stand before God and be judged according to their works. We must preach the entirety of the gospel. We must address sin. We must be willing in grace and truth to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ in its entirety. And be willing to do that. Be willing to put ourselves out there. Be willing to take the risks in doing so. But we must have an understanding. We must preach the entire gospel, how Jesus Christ came. He was born for the sake of living his life in perfect harmony with the will of God, only to be nailed to the cross and to become sin for us and to take the sentence that each and every one of us deserved and to die in our place. And that God's justice was truly satisfied because he raised him from the dead the third day and we serve a risen savior that's the message that we need to possess we have to have the knowledge and be able to articulate that to a lost and dying world that so desperately needs it now the second part to having a proper ministry is not only do we have to have the proper message but we must proclaim that proper message it has to be brought, it has to be taught. Now listen, now see what happened to, to the shepherds here in verse 12. Now after they got the message, they said, And this will be a sign to you, you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Then after the angel choir sang in verse 15, And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let's now go. And see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. They found Mary 
and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now what had happened here is these shepherds, they had been delivered a message, a message of hope, a message of salvation, a message of, of forgiveness of their sins, and they came with haste. They said, look, we're going to find this thing out. We're going to find who this Jesus is, this Savior that, that the Lord has made known to us. And they made haste and they ran to Jesus Christ. Now, many of us, we have experienced just that. We've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and it broke our hearts and impacted us in such a way that we ran to Jesus Christ because we know we needed the forgiveness. We know we, did, we wanted the eternal life. We wanted to be forgiven. We wanted to have a relationship with the Almighty God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we ran with haste. And we received him by repenting of our sins and trusting in the work that he did on the cross for us. We ran to him quick. But I want you to see what happened afterwards. It says, and they, and they came, and the babe lying in a manger. It says, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. They made widely known the fact that they had come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. They had met the Savior of the world. That was for all people. And having an understanding it was for all people, they were going back and making it known to everyone. Now I want you to know the Great Commission hasn't even been written yet. Jesus hasn't even uttered that out of, their, out of his mouth. There's no command, there's no mandate according to what we read here that would have, that, that would have caused them to, to, to go forward and make widely known. Well, the only thing that we can see is that the fact that whenever they got the message, they met Jesus, they met him face to face, they gave their lives to him, it impacted them in such a way that they were excited about the gospel, they wanted to tell everyone that was concerning what this child had done. They wanted to make known that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, had come and he is here. We should so share the excitement and the urgency to preach that very same gospel to a lost and dying world, just as these shepherds did. Just as they did. Now, I know in today's world, it's getting kind of hostile towards Christians and the Christian ideology. I understand that, but I'm, I've got no good news for you as far as that goes. It's only going to get worse. The Word of God reveals that to us. And we worry about what people think and what people will say and how they will label us and the things that it will cost us. But I want you to understand the reaction of these shepherds. Whenever they preached the word, the word of God tells us that after they were making widely known these things, in verse 18, it said, And all those who heard it marveled at those things which was told to them by the shepherds. The shepherds were not really important people according to the society that they lived in. It was the lowest of the lows. But they were preaching a profound message of Jesus Christ and people marveled at what they had heard. There's no question, if you get out and you actively preach the gospel, you're going to run across people who don't want to accept it. They're going to resent it. They don't want to hear it. But out of fear of those people, we are denying other people to hear the gospel, those who are willing and ready to accept Jesus Christ out of fear of the others. People will marvel. There's no question. You start living your life according to what Jesus Christ, you're going to look different, you're going to be different, you're going to talk different. There's going to be something about you. And people will truly marvel. But in order for us to expect God to bless our efforts, we must walk in obedience to Him. We must surrender to the proper master during this Christmas season must be willing to preach the proper gospel if we want the lives of those people around us to be impacted. 
a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. It's an invitation to come and see and then a command to go and tell. Now, many of y'all met me for the first time. I'm going to speak to you as a pastor in, in First Baptist Church now. Many of you um, met me for the first time about a year ago, November 19th, 2017. That's whenever I came and visited with the pulpit committee. And um, up until that day, that was probably your best day of your entire life, right? But however, I was asked to bring a message to that night, or a devotion or a lesson or something like that. How many of y'all remember the title of it? It's about witnessing, right? It's about witnessing. It's basically a basic outline with all the information, scriptures and everything lined up on how to share your faith on what to do, you know, even, even we even played a few scenarios with a few questions, but however, what I, what I, what I um, presented that night was just the presentation of the gospel in a nutshell in its entirety. I gave it to you with some you know, sheets to fill out blanks and all of that. Now I asked a question at the end of it. Now what I, what I asked was this, I said, well how many of you learned something new? How many hands raised, do y'all remember? Zero. It's encouraging. That's good, all right? Yeah, not for me, but I mean, I'm glad. To, I'm glad to see that you had the information. You, had, you, had, you understood. But also throughout that evening, I also asked another question. I said, "How many of you have had a personal one-on-one -on -one conversation about Jesus within the last year?" How many of y'all remember how many hands went up at that time? Seven. And there were about seventy people. I know you're thinking that's a large number, but everybody wants to go see who the possible new pastor is going to be. So they showed up, but seven. Seven. So what does that tell me? What does that tell us? What does that really tell us about who we are and what we're doing for Christ? What that does say is that we do possess the proper message. We have the proper message, but we're failing in the proclamation of that proper message. We have got to do what God has called us to truly do. If we're going to construct the proper Christmas, it requires us to have the proper ministry. And in doing so, we must possess the proper message, but also proclaim the proper message. And we must be willing to do that if we are going to do that. So this morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask for a commitment from each and every one of you. I don't know the numbers. We're not going to raise the hands and do that like we did a year ago. But about a year ago, we had seven of you who were able to raise your hands and said, I've had a one-on-one -on -one conversation about Jesus Christ. And I'm guessing what we have around 100 in here this morning. I would ask for each one of you, would you join me in making a commitment to at least having one of those conversations before January 1st? Can you do that? Just one. It can be a stranger, it can be a friend, it can be a family member, it doesn't matter. But you realize if we do that, we will have more than 10 times what we did last year. And if we could even keep that up. Now, one, one a month is a very low number. But even if we committed to that once a month for the entire year of 2019, we would have over 1,200 as opposed to only seven that we turned in last year. It's possible. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's going to be comfortable. But it is possible. As we prepare for this time of an invitation... I want you to really be thinking about who is going to happen. I'm going to be praying for you. As your pastor, I'm going to take the challenge as well. I'm going to try to get as many as I possibly can. But as God is highlighting these people, I want you to pray that God will give you the courage and give you the opportunity to open your mouth and speak the true gospel to someone. 
And I would even dare you this morning to pray that God would make a divine appointment for that to happen. I would dare you to do that. I believe we would pray to God and say, God, give me times, give me specific areas, and speak to my heart when that time is to come. I believe he'll answer that prayer. So I dare you to do it. And I believe truly, if we would make that commitment to do that here within the next 30 days, and I'll be able to ask the question on the very last Sunday of our, of our meeting in, in December, I would really like to see every hand raised and say, look, I did it. I did it. And then if we can do that, we can certainly say that we're on a proper path to having a proper Christmas because we delivered the right message to the people that God has put in our lives. So are you constructing a proper Christmas this morning? Do you have the proper master? Are we celebrating the proper event? Are we sharing in the same motives to glorify and honor God? And are we truly going to practice the ministry that he has given each and every one of us to perform? If not, I pray that we get our hearts right today and now. And let's have the greatest Christmas ever. Let's let Malvern know that Jesus is truly king. Let's give God honor and glory with our lives over the next 30 days. So let's stand. Let's have a hymn of invitation as we pray. And let's do business with the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you so much for Jesus. Father, it's our prayer that we honor and glorify you with our lives, Father. Father, help us to see that in our, our weaknesses, Father, help us to see us where we need to be made strong. And Father, we rest in who you are. May we allow you to direct our paths, Father. Father, let's, we, want, we want Malvin to know that you're king. Father, we want people to know you, and we just want to be a part of your ministry. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.